Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Hey, have you ever ordered something online or, um, you know, you've seen it, you've checked it out on, online, you go, oh, that looks really good and I think that's my size and, and, and you've got an exact idea, you've taken a photo, you know exactly what's supposed to come and then it finally arrives and you open it up and it's, it's nothing like what you expected. Anyone else or just me? Or, you know, you know your size is a size whatever and, and you order that size and you put it on and it's like you haven't grown the size is wrong, yeah? Oh, I heard the story once of one person who ordered an iPhone. You know, say they ordered the latest iPhone, a brand new iPhone, and um, they, they ordered it through, um, um, I know I won't say the name of the company, they ordered it through a particular company, and, and it arrived, and they ordered the iPhone, what's the latest one coming out? Let's say it was a 14, which is about to land. Who's looking forward to the 14? Apparently it's just the same as the 13, so don't worry too much about it. Anyway, it's about to arrive, and they open it up, and apparently it was like it was an iPhone 7 that had been damaged and repaired. Seriously. Yeah. Imagine that. Can you imagine expecting something brand new and getting a patched up version? Something damaged? Something secondhand? Today I want to talk about, keep this series going about Jesus over everything. And I want to talk about what does it really mean? What does it really mean to live a life where Jesus is over everything? And what is, how do our lives change when we embrace that with this concept of Jesus being over everything and Jesus wanting to bring something brand new to us? What sort of life does, does God want us to live? Does he want us to live that secondhand, fixer-upper, kind of close enough's good enough? There's a few, few little, little problems here, but we'll just repair them. Is that the sort of life that God calls us to when he says, come and follow me? When, when we use what Liz just said about when we make him Lord and Saviour of our lives, is that what he promises, a fixer-upper life, a repaired life, a, a renovated life? I want to say this morning as we unpack the Scriptures, that's nothing like, nothing like what Jesus promises us. And so why do we get excited in worship on a Sunday? Why do we get excited when we open up the Word of God through the week? Why do we get excited when we, we pray expectantly? Well, here's why. Jesus didn't give his life for us so that he could band-aid our wounds. He doesn't want us to keep carrying the faults and the damages of the past. Jesus gave his life for us to experience something completely different. And he spoke about this many times in the Gospels. And the Apostle Paul unpacks it really strongly in the Scriptures as well. In fact, Apostle Paul says this about, about accepting Jesus. He says, anyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation. The old has been renovated and been patched up. And we put a band. No, no, no. That's not what it says. He doesn't say the old's been patched up. He says the old has passed away and he says, and all things become new. Behold, he says, behold, all things become new. Now that word behold means look, take a hold of this. This is, you need to understand how powerful this is. When you read the word behold, that's what it means. Look, take a hold, recognize the power of what's happening right now. All things become 
new. Why do I get passionate when I talk about a life with Jesus? Because for me, my old life is gone. The old life that Murray lived where it was a selfish nature, prideful, where it was me first. And I, and I wrestle, but I know he's created this new life for me to step into. Because of his death and resurrection on the cross, he creates a new way for you and I. And every morning of every day, we have the choice. Those of us who've accepted him as Lord and Saviour, we've got, we got an opportunity every day to step into this new life. This month, we're working through the Paul's letter to a church. And then when he writes to this church and he speaks to the Colossians, he speaks really clearly about this whole idea of new life. And we're going to jump from chapter 1 to chapter 3. Next week, we're going to come back to chapter 2. But in chapter 3, from verse 1, Paul writes this about this whole concept of living a new life. A new life. He says, Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's hand. He's saying, since you've been raised to a new life because of what Jesus did for you, you now, if you've accepted Jesus, you now have a new life. And he says, stop looking at the issues of the world and the problems of the world. Stop so focusing on the issues and problems of this world. But look to the heavens and recognise God and the sovereignty of God and who God is and what Jesus did for you. Stop wallowing in what is it doesn't mean it's not happening, but set your sights on Jesus and what he did and the power of Jesus and this new life that you now have. And he says, think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life, your new life is not to dwell in the problems of the world. It's not to pretend they're not there, but don't dwell in them, but look to God and his direction, and his purpose, and his fullness of life. You see, Jesus didn't come that you, you and I might have a repaired life. He doesn't call us to a renovated life. He came, and he died a death, lived 30 years, ministered, showed us how to live, died the most horrible life, and then life, a death, I should say, and then rose again three days later, that we might have a brand new life with God at the centre. And this morning what I want us to do is, is ask the question to ourselves prayerfully, am I embracing the new life? Have I stepped into the new life? Have I fully embraced this amazing life God's got for me? Or, or do, I, do I expect him to renovate areas and patch on areas? Luke chapter 5, Jesus has been calling and gathering followers to follow him. It's the start of Jesus' ministry and he's, he's calling followers and disciples. He's grabbing fishermen like Simon and Andrew and James and John and, and then he grabs a tax collector, Levi, who he starts to call Matthew and, and he begins teaching and he begins healing and he begins showing this new way of living. He's showing them this new way of living, this way where we're not just knowing about God, but actually really having a relationship with God, a new way with God. And yet as he's doing this and people are seeing the power of God at work in Jesus' life and the life of the disciples, so many people and so many communities had their own way of doing things, their own way of connecting with God. 
a safe way of connecting with God. This is, this is the way I connect with God. And this is the way that, that I eat and what I do eat and what I don't eat. And this is, this is the way that I segregate myself. And this is the way that I worship. And this is the way that I pray. And this is the way that I fast. And this is the way that I'm doing life with God. The emphasis on all those is me, 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 me. This is, feels comfortable for me. And Jesus comes and he turns the whole thing upside down. And he says, what if it's not about what's best, what, what you think is best for you? What if, what, if, what if God's here and he wants to walk with you? And he wants to bring a brand new life where you let him lead you and guide you and direct you. What if it looks different? And so understanding that concept in Luke chapter 5 and what Jesus has been doing, in verse 36, Jesus gives them an illustration of what it means to live a brand new life. He says, no one tears a piece of cloth from a brand new garment and uses it to patch on an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. He says, nobody takes something that's new, takes it off the newness and puts on the oldest to try and make it better, because neither works. And then he goes on in verse 37, he says, well, what about this illustration? He says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. He says, for the new wine would burst in the new wineskins. And I'll explain and unpack that a little bit more in a moment. And then he gives a warning. He says, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. They say the old wine's fine. Jesus has got this new life. Yeah, but but my, my old life's comfortable. I'm used to this old wine. I'm, I'm used to this old life. It's comfortable. But it might be so comfortable that you don't get to experience the freshness and the new wine that God brings, the new life that he lives, because you're so worried about being comfortable in what you know. And I've wrestled with this. But God, I know if I put you in this little box, then I know how you respond and I know how you react and I know how I pray and I know how I worship and I'm comfortable and it's okay. And what I do is I put him in a box and I make him small and I put God in a Murray-sized box rather than Murray stepping into a new life with God, the way he wants me to live, experiencing things he wants me to experience, living the way he wants me to live. Let's unpack that new wine a little bit more. Bible scholars talk about wineskins as a container for what God can pour out of. So they see a wineskin as a container of what God can pour out of, one who can steward what God has put into them. And so he compares people sometimes to wineskins, new and old wineskins. I I guess it's a bit like, you know, in the old days, when today, you know, we'll walk around and many of us walk around and we have our bottle of water, which we we take a sip of if we get thirsty and and we carry around our bottles of water in your bag. And it's it's hard to imagine that in, in, in in those days, in ancient times, they carried around a goat skin that was filled with either water or wine. Since the invention of plastic still was a long way away, these people of ancient times used these skins of goat and they sewed the edges up and they made it watertight. And when the wine or the new wine was put into the wineskins, it fermented and it expanded and it stretched these wineskins. So you had a new wineskin and you put the wine in and the wine fermented and expanded and so the wineskins expanded because they were new and they could expand. A brand new wineskin is flexible and it's able to stretch. But an old wineskin has already been stretched as much as it can be. And it can't be stretched any further. 
So if you put new wine into an old wine skin that's already been stretched to its fullness, what happens? It tears, it rips, it bursts, and it no longer can hold this new wine. See, Jesus was telling them that he was coming to bring something new and the old won't do. He's saying, I come to bring something new to you and this old, you get, it's going to mean change. Not might, it's going to mean change. Because if you try and put the freshness and newness of God into an attitude that is an old attitude, if our wine-skewed attitudes are old attitudes, then no matter what God wants to bring into our lives, it'll always be, yeah, but I've always. Yeah, but I'm comfortable. Yeah, but this is the way that I've, I've, I understand you to be. See, Jesus' way wasn't something to, to tack on, to patch up. Jesus came to turn everything upside down and inside out. And so every day, he wants us to have this new wine attitude, this new wineskin attitude. When we, we come to church, God, show me something new about you. As opposed to, God, I just want you to confirm what I feel comfortable with. Now, we may not pray that, but I reckon there's a whole bunch of us in this room that go, God, just, just help me to feel comfortable with you and life and where things are up to and what have you. Whereas I think God wants us to pray, God, show me new. Show me fresh. Show me, show me something new about you and your nature. Because I don't know about you, but I think when we get to heaven, there is going to be so much more about God and his nature and his desire and will for you and for me that we don't know about because we haven't been prepared to go, show me something new. I want to live a brand new life with you at the center, leading and guiding and directing. And I want to be a part of a church that has that nature of following God's will. Not a good new idea. This is not about new ideas because they're good new ideas. It's following God, but the fullness of God. And what he wants to bring into our lives and what he wants to walk in us, through us and to us. But I reckon for many of us, maybe I'm just speaking about me, we, we, we sometimes try and add Jesus to what we're already doing. And if we think about the culture of today, our culture in Australia particularly, it's a culture that loves the cafe, cafeteria, I should say, buffet style religion. You know, one where we can pick and choose from an array of beliefs and go, oh, I really like that. Oh, oh, gee, gee, that, that's really nice. And it's almost like we live life with our faith, picking and choosing what we like, what is comfortable, what we use. Oh, I've always really liked the seafood. I'm, oh, I have a bit of that seafood. Oh, I've never really tried. No, no, I'm not going to try that. I, I don't know that I would like that. I've never tried it before. That's kind of, in some ways, the nature that we have. We choose an array of beliefs from the, the bay-marie of life and we plop it all together on a plate and it merges together into a tasteless mess as opposed to this beautiful new life, this fresh life, this big life that God's calling us to live. Because you see, Jesus has opened a new dining establishment that's different from every worldly fair that we're used to, different to any religion that is on offer. It's a feast that our taste buds have waited our entire lives for. A new life. And once we take a bite of the grace that Jesus has provided for us, we never want to go back. But if I go back to week one, what we do is we drift. We don't want to go back. But if we're not being new, being made new every day, looking for the newness of God every day, we drift back to what was what we knew, what we were used to. 
You see, it's a decision to step into the newness of God, the newness that God brings every day. He didn't come to patch up our threadbare lives. Jesus came to give us brand new lives, brand new hearts, Holy Spirit alive in us. The prophet Ezekiel, years, centuries before Jesus walked the earth, said this, I will give them one heart. God was saying, I will give them one heart and a new spirit and I'll put it within them and I'll remove the heart of stone from the flesh and I'll give them a fresh, a heart, sorry, and give them a heart of flesh. He's saying, I want to remove what was and I want to bring in a newness. And that's what Jesus brings through his Holy Spirit. Think about it. Not just personally, but even as churches. As churches, we get so stuck in maintaining our old ways sometimes with including a bit of Jesus on the side that we hold on to the way we've always done church. We get so caught up in the methods rather than saying the message of Jesus never changes. So hear this. The message of Jesus, the gospel message, never, ever, ever changes. From the day 2,000 years ago where he walked the earth and he died and rose again that you and I might have life and have it everlasting. That message never changes. But what I believe Jesus is saying is the new life he calls to live is to being open to the way we live that out may well look different. The, me- the methods we use in church may well be different as long as it's pointing people to Jesus and the truth of who Jesus is. But as a church, often we want to hold on to what's done. And until we embrace the new life fully, individually and as a church, we're never going to experience all that God has for us. The life-altering, upside-down, transforming grace that Jesus offers. So that's all good in theory, Murray. What does that mean in practice? Well, let me start with an example for us as parents. Many of us, because we haven't fully embraced this whole idea of the new life that God brings, many of us, our kids look at us and look at our relationship with Jesus as a convenience relationship because that's what they see. Do they see a life, a new life? And I'm just going to call it out. Do they see you living new life with Jesus every day or do they see a convenient life? They see him as an add-on because that's how we fit God into our lives. That's how we fit God into our families. You know, they see him as when we think about it, we might pray. If we haven't got anything else on, we might go to church on a Sunday. Parents, when do your kids see you in the Word? Not, kids are coming, quick. Oh. oh, yes, I'm reading. No, no, no. When do they see you in the Word? When do they hear you embracing and engaging in conversations about the things of God? Over the dinner table. Not because you want, not, not, not out of, oh, well, I better do this because, no, 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 because you want to live a life that is new life with God and you want your kids to see that, experience that and be brought up in an environment that God is first, not a tack on, not a when I think of it, we'll go to church, not a, oh, we've got a few other things, not a, not a oh, well, you know, your church is a Sunday thing and then through the week, you know, they hear you, the way you speak to your husband or the way you speak to your wife and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm reading the word that says honour one another and I'm, I'm looking through the week going, there's no honour here. And they may not think this consciously, but something's happening in their spirit. I'm not saying we can live the perfect life, but what I'm saying, God's calling us to new life. And it doesn't look like the way that some of us are living our lives right now. And I'm not, this is not judgment as I prepare. This is God pointing his finger at me. 
So I'm bringing this word to you as a place where God has rebuked me in some areas around this as well. Kids often move away from God when they get older because they don't see anything real in the life and faith of their parents. They see add-ons. They see religion. They see this is what we should do rather than this is what we want to do. Francis Chan, pastor, author, writes this about this holiday. He says, we're turning away our children by the droves because our lives are not the adventure that they see in the scriptures and the kids aren't experiencing the Holy Spirit. So church, what would it look like in our homes, in our church, where our kids see us engaged in worship, truly loving our God, the person that we are on a Sunday is the same person we are when we're at school or at work through the week. Engaged, desiring to live the new life every moment of every day. Let me take it maybe a, a, step, a step closer and say to the men of this church, ladies, you can just sit to the side for a minute. We'll just talk to the men at the moment. I don't know why I came this side for the men. Maybe, Ezra, this is for you, mate. No, no. <laughs> um, Men, you know, we have such a responsibility and, and, and not, not carried in a way of, oh, no, I can't do this because God doesn't allow us to go anything we can't bear. But God calls us to live a new life that is attractive. He wants us to live a life, guys, where people look at and go, what is it about this guy and the way that he loves his family, the way he loves his wife, the way he speaks life over his kids, the way when he's at work there's an integrity where he, when he's at work or when he's talking with his mates, he's the same person. I don't want to embarrass him. He's not here, but my son-in-law had his 30th birthday through the week. And last night, um, Brooke and Dennis had a few people around at our place. They're living with us at the moment. And there was a few speeches, and every person said the same thing about Dennis. Now, Dennis is not perfect. He's my son-in-law. He's not perfect. All right? just, just make sure he knows that, all right? If you see him, Dennis, you're not perfect. You know? don't, don't want him too comfortable. But, but he's a man of integrity. And time after time, people were saying, Dennis, no matter where you are, you are the same person. And your faith shines out of that. So men, we have a responsibility to our families, but men, we have a responsibility to our church to do the best that we can, not out of striving, but just to seek to be close with him, to live a life that says, I want to honour God and I want people to see Jesus in me. I want to live. And it starts with every morning of every day, God, help me to live the new life you're calling me to live. Ladies. Sorry, guys. Ladies, the way you speak about your husbands when they're not around with your girlfriends has a huge impact on the people who are around you. What does it look like where no matter where you are, you speak life? You speak life over him when he's around and when he's not around. Ladies who are, who are living, and we're, gonna, we're going into a relationship series next, week, next month, which I'm really looking forward to because we're going to look at all relationships. But those of you ladies who aren't married, what does it look like for you to live a life where Jesus continues to be your driver and your identity continues to be in him and not around, well, whether you are and whether you're not? And other ladies, what does it look like to you live a life where you're not always asking, not always saying, gee, he's all right, what do you think about him? And trying to match make. And, and imposing on this idea that, that women aren't fully, they don't have a full identity unless they've got a man sitting next to them or standing next to them. What does it mean to embrace and to encourage single women and say, your identity is who you are in Jesus? Yeah. But we, we bring this attitude that says, well, when you're this, 
then you're more fully person, a full, full person. I go, no, that's not scriptural and it's not helpful. So ladies, what, is it, what does it look like for you to be aware of and to be looking for Jesus to be new in your life every day and for looking for opportunities in every moment of every day to live that out so that your family but also your church family see you being as Christ-like as you can be? But what, what we do, I think what I tend to do sometimes is, is I wear these hats and I don't want to wear a hat. I want to be the same in every situation and in every circumstance. See, Jesus came. To make all things new, starting with our very selves and extending to our families and extending to our church community. The old is gone, a new life has begun. And I don't know about you, but I love the fact that I get to restart every morning. See, Jesus is with us always and he's forgiving and he doesn't expect us to be perfect. And he says, bring to me your troubles, bring to me your sin, seek forgiveness and we'll start again. And so for many of us, we may have been Christians a long time. We go, oh, my goodness, you know, but I've not lived anything like that, Murray. And so that's okay. None of us have. But every morning we get up and say, it's a new day. It's a new day. I'm living a new life with Jesus at the centre. God, lead me, guide me, direct me. Show me something new of you today. Set aside my desires. Set aside my expectations. God, will you reveal something new about who you are? I'm ready to, experiencing, to experience something new in you. So Highlands, how do we live out this new life that Jesus brings? How do we posture and position ourselves individually and as a church to be open to experiencing and expressing a newness? Jesus, fully. How do we make sure that we're not developing old wineskin attitudes like the Pharisees, not willing to change? How do we stop ourselves from leaking away and not being in the fullness of who God is in our lives? See, I believe one of the ways is if we live a new wineskin life, our attitudes are more we, not me. I think one of the things that leads us to, towards this old life is when it becomes all about me. Because if you think about it, the nature, the scriptures talk about the selfish nature that we have, that we're born, born into because of um, you know, Adam and Eve initially, and then the sinful nature that follows through. There is a sinful nature in all of us that will drag us back to this idea that what is most important is me, is I. I've used this example before. I wasn't going to use it again, but I do. If I had my phone up right now and I took a photograph of everybody here, just back, took a photo, and I gave you the photograph, who's the first person you would look for? You'd look, you wouldn't look for me. We'd look for ourselves, wouldn't we? That's, that's our nature. Now, that's okay, but the nature is me. Our, our, our default nature is me. How do I look? might be a great photo, but if you have got a half smile, not a full smile, if I got you this way, not that way, I wasn't, can take it again. Because be, how do I look? That's the default nature that we have. Where Jesus says, what would it look like for you to look to me first and we first? When we get married, we say, I do, but we can't keep living as a single person, can we? I promise to honour and love and respect as long as I shall live. But, you know, we've got a couple of couples in this church that are getting married in October. Um, and I remember I just met, we met recently, Kaz and I, doing some pre-marriage with Terry and Georgie. And, and uh, they're not here this morning, I don't think. And, um, you know, what would it look like for them to, to get married? I do. I'm committed to living to two becoming one with Jesus at the centre. But then going on and living as individuals, living the separate life. Life has to look different when two become one, when, when I becomes we. 
when me became we 34 years ago, say again, wow, 34 years ago, what a blessing, hey, 34 years with me. It's not about me, it's about we, sorry. <laughs> you know, I had to realise that when I was walking around chewing gum and it was all good and I thought it was fine, that might have been one thing, but when Kaz is next to me and I'm chewing gum the way, when I get enthusiastic around things, I chew really enthusiastically and I didn't realize it was annoying so I could keep doing that annoying my wife or go you know what hun let's let's mince let's use mince rather than chewing gum or you know I had to get used to the fact that Disney movies were actually quite fun where I didn't really watch Disney movies for most of my life into my until I got married in my mid-20s you know there's things you go okay what does it look like for me to become we where I might want to go here for a holiday and Kaz might want to go there. What does it look like for us to sit and talk together and decide together? Beforehand, it was just whatever I wanted to do. Well, how many know when, when we accept Jesus into our life and he calls us to a new life? It's now no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So I becomes we, or better, better still, I becomes he. So what does it look like for you and I to live with a we attitude in terms of life in community and a he attitude, whereas you first, God, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus modelled it as he, as he went to, to, to go to the most horrific death that anyone could, could die. The night before his crucifixion, when he knew what was about to happen, he knew the pain he was about to go through. And he didn't have a me attitude. In the middle of crying blood, tears, sweat of blood, Sweat. He's there before God saying, God, if you can take this from me, remove this cup from me. We would all be praying that. The second part of the prayer, I don't know that we would pray. Because he says, but God, not my will, your will be done. And that's a model for us about the way we live our lives. Not my will, but your will be done. So church, what would it look like for us to have a we attitude? We put our own individual preferences aside for the greater good. Not me, but we. What would it look like for it not to really matter what sort of music you like, but I'm going to embrace worship because we are worshipping together. What would it look like for, well, the way I pray is like this, and, but I'm going to embrace a prayer attitude that says we're going to pray together and commit together. What would it look like if your first response wasn't, how does this affect me, but how does this create a better we for as, as a community? What if that was our first response? Not how does this affect, what do I think about this? But how does this create a better we as a community in the church and in the world? How do we do that? We celebrate others. What would it look like for you when you hear some good news about someone else? Rather than what the world would do was go, oh, gee, look at the new car they're driving. I can't afford that. How can he afford that? Or they're going on this amazing holiday you hear about. And rather than the first response being, gee, it's been five years since I've had another holiday. What would it look like for us as a community to go, That is amazing about that new car that you've got, this new electric car that you've got, Tony. Fantastic. Show me it. Can I see it? How cool is that? I am so pleased for you. What an amazing holiday that you're going to go on. I wish I could, you know, no, no, no. What an amazing holiday. Tell me about your holiday, Hayden and me. That sounded like an amazing time. Tell me. I'm so pleased that you had the chance of doing that. What does it look like for us to change the way we first respond to celebrate with others, to do life together, to speak life over one another? Our human nature is to be comfortable and familiar. There's a reason they call it human nature. Our God nature 
is to live a new life. God says, stop living the human nature and step into the God nature and watch what the new life looks like. Because I haven't even talked about what new life looks like. I'm just saying obedience. This message today is not about the fullness of what God brings in that new life. And there is so much to that. But I'm just talking about obedience. If we truly believe that Jesus is Lord and Saviour, let's follow him and trust him with what he's got for us in this brand new life. See, Jesus wants everybody to experience him. Revelation 21 and verse 5 says, The one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. There is a new life that he's calling you and I to live. And he's calling the world to live. He's calling your neighbours to live, to be called to this new life, to accept this new life. He's calling your family members. He's calling the person who serves you in the street. He's calling every one of us to a new life. And our role is to live it out in such a way with words and actions where people go, what is it about that person? What do they see? They see no longer I living, but Jesus living in me. Thank you so much for the way that you, you smiled today. Thank you so much for the way that you served me today. Hey, I really appreciate just a, a life of encouragement, speaking words of life over the people around us. People need this new life that Jesus is offering. And we have a role to play in reflecting it and sharing it with others. Colossians chapter 3, let's go back to the letter that Paul wrote. Colossians in chapter 3 and verse 10 says this about this new nature. I love it. He says, put on your new nature. You see, it's a choice. He doesn't say, I give you new life, you become a Christian, great, I'm a Christian, because he's writing to the church. So he doesn't say, well, I'm a, I'm a new person, I'm a new creation, so therefore I'm just going to live that way. He says, no, no, no. He says, like a cloak, he says, put it on. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I love that because it says, put on the new nature and learn as you go. He doesn't say, hey, you're born again, you're saved, whatever, whatever Christian term you want to use. And so everything's there now. He's saying, no, 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 your salvation, your relationship with God is so different now. But now let's learn as we go. Let's go on the journey. Decide to put on the new nature and learn about your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. He lives on in all of us. There's a, there's a translation, um, kind of a paraphrase type translation called the passion. And I just want to, I, I want to reflect this to you after reading the, the New Living Translation to give another emphasis around it. He, it says, for you have acquired a new creation life which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, God, giving you the full revelation of God. So what happens is we put on this new nature and we go on the journey with God and God starts to give you the full revelation of God. What does that mean? It means maybe you're experiencing 5-10% of God. But as you make a decision to live the new life, he's going to show you more about him. He's going to show you more about his power. His healing work. He's going to show you more about his love. He's going to show you more about how in the tough times he is carrying you. He's going to show you more about what he's calling you to be about. He's going to show you more about the call on your life, where he wants you to be. As you decide every day to put on the God nature, to, to step into this new life, there is so much he has for you. 
And he's going to reveal this full revelation of God. In this new creation of life, your nationality makes no difference. I love this. He says, doesn't matter what your upbringing is, or your ethnicity, or your education, or your economic status. They matter nothing. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter what sort of life you've lived. Doesn't matter what sin you've been involved in in the past. He says, I'm not looking at that. He says, I'm looking at the brand new life I'm calling you to. And as you choose to step into it, watch what I do in you and through you. Individually, church, watch what I do in you and through you as a church community. Watch what I do. If you decide, church, to step into this amazing brand new life, this life of surrender. So it's not making room for God. It's a new life with Jesus. Let me say that again. It's not making room for God. It's a brand new life with God at the center. A few years ago, in the previous church, we had this powerful time of worship and teaching and prayer. And after prayer, we just felt led to invite people forward to be prayed for. And a lady emailed me during that next week. And she talked to me about this physical um, chronic back pain that she'd had for, for months. And during that prayer time, she was healed. And she wrote to me in an email and she said, Murray, I wasn't going to go forward yesterday because I'd asked for prayer the week before. And she said, and that looks needy. Read, I was worried about what other people were thinking. Read, my nature is one that I want to be comfortable and I want to be well thought of. But, she said, I am needy. I'm needy for more of God. And so I stepped forward and God healed my back. What a beautiful example of stepping into the new life. I don't want to feel this way. What if God doesn't? What are people going to think? But I've been prayed for about this before. No, no, no. I'm stepping into the new day, in the new life, where God says he wants to bring healing and he wants to bring wholeness. I know for some of us it may well be time for us to see God in a new way, to embrace the newness. I think about my previous life. I was a firefighter um, in the fire brigade, and I remember you'd do a 14-week recruit course, and you'd come out of recruits, and then the old senior fireys that had been in the job 30 years says, don't worry about that way you've just learned. I'll show you the real way of doing things. (laughs) And what he was really saying was, I learned to do it this way 30 years ago, and I'm not changing for anyone. Now, we could learn some really good stuff from him, but there's a whole bunch of new stuff, new equipment, new ways of doing things, new ideas that he would never pick up on because he was stuck where he was. And the good news is our God never wants us to be stuck. Good news is our God is new every morning, so we're learning new things about him, his nature, his call in our lives every day. If we're open to it, if we're open to embracing and wearing and putting on the new coat every day and say, God, it's a new day. It's your day. Show me something new about you and your nature. God wants to pour new wine into your life. God, make me, make us, make Highlands, whatever you want us to be. But it's our choice. And I don't want to be a church that drifts. I want us to be a church that is on fire for the things of God, embracing fully all that God has for us. My question is, Are you open to God taking you on a journey of the newness 
of life that he's got for you, wherever you're at in your journey. You ready for God to move, for God to lead you, for God to prompt you, and not just for him to prompt you, but for you to respond? Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.